mad, ladies and gentlemen. It is a little bit past 8 o'clock on a Thursday evening, 8 o'clock p.m. Central Time. If you would like to join us live, well, I should say, if you're a patron, you need to join us live in our Discord channel, Dueling Review Discord channel, where we record this show live for you. And if you were here on time, you got to hear all sorts of uh, interesting debate about memories of a three-year-old, <laughs> uh, Japanese giant robots, and most importantly, for our young friend Jimmy, uh, the dangers of eating gas station grapes. That was all discussed in the pre-show. It's not recorded anywhere, ladies and gentlemen. The only place you can get that is when you join us live uh, Thursday nights, 8 o'clock p.m. in our Discord server. It's like a whole other show that you get when you become a patron at patreon.com slash major spoilers. Uh, Matthew, this week we are taking a look at Count Crowley or Count Crowley, depending on how you want to pronounce that part. The amateur midnight monster hunter number one. This Okay, so we have read, or at least I have read the the uh, Count uh, Crowley series before when she first becomes uh, the late night spooktacular host. Right. Uh, this is the second series of this. Mm -hmm. But if you go and look at the link in the major spoiler show notes to purchase this issue via our Amazon affiliate link, a little bit comes mm -hmm. back our way. Doesn't cost you anything extra. It says this is book five of seven, even though this is issue one of four. Right, because the first four issue series, which I believe was called something different, wasn't I it? I think it was called Count crazy. Crowley and the Amateur Midnight Monster Hunter. It I was think just it was a reluctant second, midnight. Monster maybe that's Hunter. what it is. I don't know what it is, but yeah, because the first series was called Reluctant Midnight Monster Hunter. Uh, but yes, this is part one of four, part five of eight, or part nine of two thousand seven hundred and fifty-four. I hope it goes on. It, I mean, I hope it does go on to uh, fifteen, twenty, thirty. Uh, different series. Uh, I, I will say up front that, that I enjoyed it. Now uh, I do have a couple of nitpicks, which we'll get to in a moment, but what's, uh, I mean, mm -hmm. what's your feeling on uh, horror comics? Horror comics. I mean, this isn't really technically, I mean, this is technically horror, it but is, it's like Buffy the vampire slayer horror. Yeah, I would definitely say so. Horror comics are a mixed bag because it's hard to do the things that make a horror movie work in a, kind of a, in a static format, you know, mm -hmm. in, in what Scott, what, you know, your basic understanding comics would say is graphic images juxtaposed, blah, 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 blue. Uh, so, you know, a lot of the things that make a horror movie horrible, like the, the noise cues or the jump scares or the re, re, re's or the mm -hmm. sudden, oh my God, something just happened. You can't do that in comics to the same degree. But I also feel like the fact that this issue starts with an EC Comics riff yes. really tells me that they're aware of and going to lean into what we know works in a horror comic format. Because those classic ECs mm -hmm. are just breathtaking. Yeah, yeah. And we've read those before. I've talked about them before. Yeah. I think they're a lot of fun. In fact, even the overall art stylings in the book uh, some of mm -hmm. the characters feel like Crypt Keeper or feel like uh, yes. something that you would see in the classic uh, EC uh, book. So uh, big shout out to Lucas uh, Kettner, who did the art in this book. Just a really great job of nailing yes. uh, the, the look and feel of the old EC comics. There's some Graham Ingalls riffs. There's some, you know, Jack Davis riffs. There is a remarkable series of shots where um she goes home and meets her grandpa yeah that's the that's specifically the ones that i'm saying that look exactly yeah. like 
And Grandpa, I'm like, looks for all the world like a Will Eisner character from yeah. the spirit. Yeah. And I'm just like, yeah, that's just utterly amazing. But, you know, as you go through the issue, for me, I feel like uh, the writer, the Polka Dot Man, really gets what works and what, you know, isn't quite so successful in a horror flick because we have moments where it's laid out and you can clearly see, okay, we're setting this up to try and emulate that horror film feeling. Yes. But then you also get that brilliant visual touch of, you know, we're at the airport and then we don't see someone transform. We see a close up of fingers getting long and ears getting pointed and teeth and fangs coming out almost like uh, an American werewolf in London. And then we get the full on Graham Ingalls monster slash yeah. attack. And, and, and not only just, that, it's, it's, ugh. you know, when she goes home to visit her grandfather or friend or whoever this guy is, um, I think it's a grandpa. Yeah. Um, he's actually saying, here's what, you know, here's what is the difference between real vampires and the vampires they've been telling you. They've got razor sharp talons. They've got super hearing. They've got sharp claws and then, or sharp teeth. And then you see him killing a cab driver or not a cab driver, but, um, a drunkard on the, on the plane and, yep. uh, leads to kind of a nice little gimmick gag, which is perfect for the 1980s. When this is set is, uh, yes. the vampire jumps out of the car after killing this guy and the car smashes into a semi and explodes and you see him being silhouetted by the explosion. And then on the left side of the panel is a classic 1980s billboard drinking and driving <laughs> can kill a friendship. And it's a hand shaking a skeleton. And it's just like, Oh, that's, that's perfect. Which, yeah. okay. So credit, credit for getting that little reference in mm -hmm. the story. Then they kind of screwed up as far as maybe a little bit more fact checking because they say that uh, Count Crowley's got this, you know, television show very much like the horror uh, shows that we used to watch. We're not going to mention the pedophile's mm -hmm. name uh, in this episode. Cremacia Mortem. Yeah, those kinds of things. Uh, you know, local local spooky television with crazy host uh, hawking uh, uh, mattresses in between uh, commercial breaks. Uh, mm -hmm. And they say it's somewhere between uh, Kansas City and Missouri and uh, St. Louis. So somewhere in Missouri. And then they're like, Okay, let's go to Beloit. Let's uh, have the plane land in Beloit. I'm like, well, there's only two Beloits that I know of. Beloit, Kansas <laughs> and Beloit, Wisconsin. So maybe this takes place in Wisconsin until you go a few more pages down and you see the TV station that she works for is KSKB, which is either a religious radio station or a radio station out of Iowa, which also <laughs> is not between Kansas City and St. Louis. So... Yeah. Big applause for the, the crafty writing in this piece to make it feel like you're watching Fright Night, the movie. Um, right. But uh, I'm going to have to ding you for these little slips that you need to double check or your editor or somebody needs to double check to make sure that you're being lined up with everything. And I'm sure somebody was just like, oh, KSKB, uh, that is, uh, um, you know, that's the, the, the name of our editors or whatever it is. It, it, it was a legit mistake. At least look up KSKB before you put it in your book, because both Beloit and KSKB identify where you're at. And both of these things don't, don't match. And so that's where that was a little infuriating for me. Well, let me and I know most something. people aren't going to give a crap because as Matthew no, said, don't pull at the strings, Stephen, you're going to, you're going to show the world that the uh, comics are, are silly stuff. If you pull at the strings too much, well, I've pulled at the strings and now I'm bitter. Well, that's different. I mean, I'm not that this is something different. 
This is not a string at which one pulls. This is, you know, sort of the trappings. And as someone who grew up in Beloit, Kansas, I can tell you that Moritz Memorial Airport is about two blocks <laughs> wide, has maybe, maybe four hangars, and you ain't going to land anything bigger than, you know, a, 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 a like a prop, a turbo prop yeah, from 1977. Yeah, because yeah. we could literally walk there from my cousin Elwood's house. And let me tell you, it is not the airport scene here. That's one so. thing that I could never stand about Beloit, Kansas. All the damn All the vampires. Damn vampires. Yep. Yeah. I'm with you. Um, but I will also say this. I almost feel like that might, and I, I'm going to say might, I'm going to put an asterisk next to this, that might be an attempt to kind of get to that 70s. Do you remember Phantasm, the Phantasm movies? Yeah. And they're like, yeah, these take place here in this specific place. And I'm like, no, no, they don't. They clearly take place in Southern California, you student. But I almost, almost want to give them a little bit of credit for saying we're actually trying to, like, give you the feeling of monster chiller horror theater mm -hmm, movies mm -hmm. by having these goofy moments that, you know, it's it's clearly something that's done in Los Angeles. And we all know that. But then I also remember going to, you know, the Beloit Airport and, yeah, no. It's the other thing that I have just maybe a little bit of a problem with, and again, this is historical stuff. They clearly set this in the 1980s. Okay, mm -hmm. it's clearly set in the 1980s, and yet the um, this, I mean, there is a bad there is a bad person that uh, Crowley is trying to kill in this episode, a werewolf guy. But there's mm -hmm. like a, a head werewolf, and right. uh, she's a meth addict, and they do a great job of showing the meth addict and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um. And they are using a lot of uh, key words about meth addicts and crackheads and all that kind of stuff. Um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, oh, uh, she's dating a guy. Uh, he's he's dating a girl named Crystal, and she's a crystal meth uh, addict, right? Right. In That's the nineteen, call her Crystal. I bet. And I'm reading from uh, the history of um, methamphetamines. In the 1980s, mm -hmm. the United States began to tighten regulations around the uh, sale and use of uh, ephedrine, and uh, blah 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 blah. Use of crystal meth in the United States exploded in the early 90s. Between 94 and 2004, uh, methamphetamine use rose from just under 2% of the United, uh, U.S. adult population to approximately a 5%. So I'm not saying that in the early 80s or mid-80s, whenever this is taking place, that there weren't mm -hmm. people using crystal meth. It just seems like they're off by a decade. Yeah, that does not feel like it's, you know, legitimately an 80s thing. I would have had her huffing gas. Oh. I, I mean, yeah, I would have definitely uh, uh, um, huffers, right, with the spray cans and everything. Because, yeah. so, I mean, so here's the thing. Uh, there's a great uh, uh, sound effect uh, that they use with the words uh, crack. Crack would have been a better thing because if you, for, so many of you who may be younger than Matthew and I, which is probably all right. of you. Uh, in the 1980s, everybody in the universe. Yeah. Yes. In the 1980s, uh, uh, there was this supposed war on drugs. And, and I think even, I think it was when, uh, George senior was president. He did this whole thing. Now, of course, Reagan was doing this war on drugs. Um, but I'm yeah. pretty sure it was George senior who was on a presidential, uh, address to the nation and held up a vial of crack and said, this was purchased across the street from the white house. That's how bad the crack e epidemic has become. And we need to crack down on crack or whatever that they, whatever he said, turns out that was all fabricated that, 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 oh, that sure. was not the actual thing. And there's actually, um, a really fascinating story about where that, that crack vial came from. But I would think that crack cocaine would have been a better, 
drug in here instead of the meth. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in 83, I would agree. I feel like, uh, that uh, the only thing that I think that would be problematic. And I feel like, you know, it's another one of those in pop culture situations. Yeah. When you talk about the crack epidemic in our fictional stories, it is metropolitan, right? It is something that you see in cities, not in Beloit, Wisconsin or Beloit, Kansas. Correct. And they're like, oh, well, we want, we want to get something that feels like an authentic, uh, redneck eighties drug. Yeah. Meth would definitely be it. I mean, uh, I can, I can drive, uh, I can drive less than a mile from my house and, and show you a hotbed of meth here in this town. So. I'm not, I'm not saying that crank wasn't around in the eighties. Uh, I'm just saying that, you know, specifically the crystal meth designation. And I feel like you are absolutely right. That's the part, the specific nomenclature used is what feels out of place here. Right. Yeah. So yeah, you know, it'd be like speed. You'd be like, hey, quaaludes. Well, quaaludes aren't speed, but you get my point. <laughs> quaaludes are the opposite of speed. Um, or so I've heard. Drug use 101 with Matthew tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, quaaludes as aren't speed. As I always speed. tell the child. <laughs> as I tell the child, drugs are bad. I have no personal recollection of this, but a friend of mine. Yes, I have pers- no re- personal <laughs> recollection of this because all the drugs that Met I've taken <laughs> have burned out those brain cells. <laughs> I... I've taken no drugs as far as you know. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. All of those. So I, I don't know if the creators are listening to this. If you're listening mm-hmm. to this, please be aware that I'm being superficially picky on these things in your issue because mm-hmm. the issue is so well put together. The issue is. is so fun. It doesn't. So some people might be looking at this, say, oh, female protagonist, hunting werewolves, killing vampires. This sure sounds like Buffy. No, this doesn't feel like Buffy. And it doesn't it doesn't resemble Buffy. Uh, it is right. it is something that's clearly its own that that feels like a love letter to 80s horror movies and the schlock we would watch late at night. Yes, Elvira's name has popped up in the chat several times. We won't get into Matthew's relationship with her or uh, <laughs> uh, or a car, uh, et cetera. Uh, but. This is a good book, and I think it would have been a perfect book if some of these little nitpick things had been highlighted by somebody and said, hey, do you really want to do crack here? This, you know, I know meth was or meth was a thing here, but do we really want to do that here? Wouldn't something else be better? Uh, By the way, quaaludes are not speed. Uh, Do you really want to make sure you've got Beloit (laughs) and your KSKB uh, correctly? Um, so, I mean, that's the only reason why I'm, I'm picking on these little things. Everything else is well plotted. The layouts are great. The, uh, the, the art is spectacular. The coloring is fantastic. Um, the, the way that the story is plotted out, just really good. And I love this again, Fright Night, Lost Boys, um, Mm -hmm. Phantasm, all this stuff is just, it's, it's a great it's a great thing for people who grew up in the eighties. I think people will appreciate it more if you grew up in that time period. That being said, if you're one of the young ones, curl up next to the old uh, vacuum tube there and, and listen to a spin of yarn for you. Uh, I think you guys would have fun with this as well. That's my thought. I, I definitely agree. And, uh, you know, the, the writer of this book, I, I call him the polka dot man, but technically he was in Ant-Man before he was in polka dot man. He's actually, uh, not from David Dasmachlin, or I don't know how to pronounce Dasmalkin. it. Dasmalkin. Okay. 
Yeah, and he actually lived in Kansas during the time frame in question. So he's David. not quite our age, but a couple of years younger. And he lived in like Overland Park. Yeah, that was so my I'm backyard, give, basically. So yeah. Right. I'm gonna give him half credit for I feel like the KSKB reference is a a, repra, a reference to KSHB. Could be. Which, but again, you know, we're not gonna mention the pedophile, so Oh, absolutely not. But then you also do have that moment where you say to yourself, Okay, these you know, these are bits and pieces, and your average reader, someone who is not from Kansas, is in no way gonna look at this and go, That's not a realistic uh airport for uh that might, you know, if I look at it, it kind of looks so like the hideous was, terrible Kansas uh MCI airport in Kansas City. Um what was Kansas first, Kansas best mm. might have been, yeah, that's KFKB. So it's pretty right. close to that. I don't know. I, I just, Anything. I, I don't know. I was just a little, I was like, oh, cool. They're going to actually use a, a call letter from a actual radio or TV station uh, from the area or from at the time period of that area. And then they didn't. And then they got the cities and the locations messed up. So I don't know if we're supposed to be in Missouri, which I was like, oh, are they going to really, when they first said it, in, they saw it between uh, the middle of Kansas and St. Louis. Right. I was like, oh, they're going to put this in Kansas city. This is a reference to uh, the one show that I used to watch growing up that the featured a guy who was a pedophile. And uh, then <laughs> he stopped saying pedophile for God's sake. No, he was, he's legitimately I understand that he was. went to jail for that. So, um, and I was like, oh, this is great. And then I saw Beloit and I was like, Beloit, Kansas doesn't have an airport, nor do they have a, a TV station. And then I looked up Beloit and I was like, oh no, I guess it's Beloit, Wisconsin. Then I looked at KSKB and I was like, oh, this is in Iowa. So now I don't know where this story takes place. So I guess Midwest, let's just say it's yeah. in the central part of the United States somewhere. Central America is where this story takes place. So let's take a moment and acknowledge that you and I are a, from the area. Yes. B, extremely well-versed in things like call letters, what they mean, why they're yeah. there, and could look at yeah, this and say- Yeah, most people are never going to know this stuff. Right. And when she's messing with that uh, camera in 1983 and holding what looks like a Betamax tape, I'm like, it, it, would be, it certainly it would be, could be. It would certainly be possible. for television for television stations where she's uh, lifting the camera from. Totally would be on the money for that. It's possible, but I'm going to tell you, I worked in television stations in a small market in Kansas, and we did not have beta until well into the 1990s. But that's neither here nor there. I'm just saying we have specific knowledge that makes us think about these moments where most people are just going to go, hey, uh, Midwest, okay, it's probably in Kansas somewhere. Okay, great. And then I feel like, again, as you said, the the fact that this story flows so well and has these moments for us doesn't necessarily mean that anybody else is going to get caught up on the bits that we caught up. And I really feel like, you know, your average person reading a comic book, somebody in their 30s, somebody in the chat room right now, let's just pick a name. Uh, uh, Jimmy, Olin, uh, the Olin. one uh, J. Michael T. who's in, just the red. All of these people are, are 30 or younger. We know this for 30. a fact. Used guys are going to read this comic and you're going to go, oh, so is that's that, what the uh, 80s was that's like. A, that's a crypt freaker joke. That's what the 80s were like. Is but this so what here's Matthew the thing. Here's and the Stephen thing. grew up with. They here's can the hear if a they flock are of if they're 30. If they're 30 and listening to this, first of all, thank you very much for listening to two old men. Uh they probably <laughs> don't old. they probably don't know what creepy and eerie comics are. 
Yeah, sure they do. Everybody knows the Crypt Keeper. <laughs> the Crypt Keeper was on the air as recently as 2002. But does I mean, does it harken back to its comic book roots? Tales from the Crypt But again, we got to remember, these youngins who are listening to the show who are 30, 20 years ago when the Crypt Keeper was on television, they would have been like 10. You know what? When you were three, you claimed <laughs> Ultraman was a robot. No, Young I claimed he was a Jet Jaguar. <laughs> First of all, let's get my three-year-old memory straight. This is why you have to oh, listen sorry. to the pre-show, ladies and gentlemen. You can only well, do Jet that when Jaguars. you become a Patreon member at patreon.com slash major spoilers. Everyone who we've mentioned, all these young 30-year-old people in the, uh, in the chat, mm-hmm. uh, 30 and younger. Oh, yeah. I think Jimmy's only just turned 21. Um, Jimmy's like, uh, they are all our wonderful patrons and we thank each and every one of them for making this show possible. Yep. Bottom line. And, and you too, dear listener can listen to us rant about how uh, Spider-Man uh, created the uh, transformers. Uh, when you become a patron, patreon.com slash major spoilers, five bucks. That's all it costs a month, five bucks a month. We don't do like some people that charge you like $3 per episode, which would mean you'd be paying $12 a month just to hear uh, our ramblings. I mean, we'd certainly appreciate it if you did, and you could do that if you want, but we don't you charge can. per episode. We don't charge per release because we release on average five to seven shows a week. Uh, that would be at times four. that's 120 bucks you'd be paying. I mean, I would like to do that, but I'm not going to be that way. I know times are tough for people. And that $5, you can do one of two things with it. You can't buy a comic book with it. Depends I guess you could buy this one. This one's three ninety nine. dollars um, I don't think you can buy a gallon of gas with it. So you might as well just give it to us. <laughs> I mean, if you go that's... to Burger King, uh, a hamburger is going to cost you like five bucks. So yeah, it depends on the burger, but yeah. You, you know, I went and I got my coffee and donuts this morning. Eight bucks. Ten dollars. Ten dollars. Holy cow. Ten. Well, I got a half dozen donuts for my oh. coworkers, but you know, ten dollars. <laughs> That's a lot of dollars. Listen, when you become a patron, even if you're at the one dollar level of being a patron, you get to pick what comic we review next week. And this week it was Count, uh, Count Crowley or Count Crowley, depending on how you want to pronounce it. Amateur Crowley. Midnight Monster Hunter number one. You can pick next week's comic by heading over to patreon.com right now. Matthew, I'm giving this a big thumbs up. I really enjoyed it. I am definitely going to subscribe to the rest of the series. Oh, wait, can I do that with Comicsology now? I don't know if they've fixed that feature yet. I'm definitely going to pick up the other four issues in this series because I enjoyed it uh, so much. I actually agree with you. I feel like this is a really fun comic. And I worried because I looked at that cover and I'm like, oh, is this... Are we going to be in another Hellboy kind of thing? And, you know, not to even use Hellboy as a pejorative, because I was like, oh, what what even is this? And then as soon as we get into the story, I'm like, bam, this is cool. Well written. Well, you know, well written by the polka dot man. Well drawn by the uh, not the polka dot man. And you do have an almost immediate immersion into the the universe that we're looking at here something that reminds me of your fright night something that reminds me of the creepy creepy movies of my youth and you know friday the 13th the television Mm -hmm. series Mm -hmm. i'm totally down i'm gonna go thumbs up as well i feel like this might actually be that rare and coveted rush right out in a buying frenzy especially Mm -hmm. if you like a good horror story yeah and this is not like horror heads getting chopped off and we're going to see the knife stabbing people repeatedly until, uh, you know, Rob Zombie does something dumb. Uh, we're talking about, you know, 80s horror type stuff, which I realize often has a lot of beheadings and other stuff. I watch Jason and Freddy and all that stuff. Uh, anyway, 
go pick this up. In fact, go pick up any comic. Uh, if you do, if you are going to buy an electronic comic, or you could even buy a physical copy if you want, use the link over at Majorspoilers.com. Uh, there's a link in the show notes as well. And you can buy this through the Kindle slash Comixology uh, service through Amazon. A little bit comes back our way, and I mean just a few cents uh, come back our way. But it does help keep this show as free as we can possibly make it. We're not putting it behind a paywall yet. It does allow this show to continue. And um, if you want to help us in other ways, if you can't become a patron, certainly buying your comics through our Comixology uh, Amazon affiliate link helps out uh, very much. So until next time, make sure you go out and read a lot of comics. There's a lot of good stuff out there. Take care. This podcast is copyright 2022 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.